by good morning and I love having the kids in here and I know it's I know it's they they may would rather be up um, in worship kids time I doing well can you hear me all right can you all hear me turn me up a little bit uh, a little bit there um, but I'll do my best and pretty wild story today with Cain and Abel um, there's there's everything you want in here murder and mayhem I mean it's really exciting so you, you ought to be out on the edge of your seats but I'm so thankful that and I know you say you know it takes a long time to get the kids to say all those uh, um, those Bible the names of the books of the Bible I'd sit here all day I'd sit here all day and hear these kids say the books of the Bible um, I love that and that's what we need to do as we train our kids up in the way of the Lord today but if you would turn with me to Genesis and I know you can find that one <laughs> and none of us missed it did we you know Amen. I, I'm probably going to say Deuteronomy wrong for the rest of my life after this. You know, Deuteronomy. You know what I'm saying? We're saying um, you got to sing it, uh, get on there going. But as we're in Genesis today, uh, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 4, but we're going to go back a little bit in Genesis chapter 2 as we get started. Ever, we got a bunch of kids, uh, new babies around us and stuff like that is happening. And you can know January's will be here before you know it, and it'll be January, it'll be 2024. How, how in the world did that possibly happen? But every year, someone, um, they, they'll let us know of a baby that was born first in our hospitals. Does anybody, do we have a New Year's Day baby here? No, none of you is born January 1st? No, we have at least one in our church that was born on January 1st. Um, but everybody gets excited about that, um, have that first. But today what we're going to talk about, not just the first baby was born in 2024, but the first baby that was born ever. That's a pretty good record to have, right? That's a pretty good first. And we're going to be able to see that and be able to hear about how God's going to teach us in this firstborn child. Because there's a first time for absolutely everything. And we do first all the time. And, you know, we just had the first day of school. I heard the best first day of school ever this morning. I'm not going to mention his name, but a young man in our church, he just started out. They said his grandma asked him when he come home from school after the first day of school, said, how does school go? Well, not very well. Why? Because they didn't teach me to read. <laughs> They'd been telling him his whole life, when they go to school, they're going to teach you to read. So he thought when he showed up, man, they won't teach me to read just like that. The school system has failed our children. Um, they ought to do better, amen? Uh, get, you need more than one day? Teach a kid to read, really? Two, how many do you need, right? That was Keaton, okay. <laughs> but uh, but we're, there's first for absolutely everything in our lives. And today we're going to look at the very first first. We see it, it started with Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15, if you flip over there just for a second. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. So at the very first, we see Adam. And Adam was, was placed alone in the garden, and his job was to tend and to keep the Garden of Eden. But Lord saw that it was not good that he was alone and doing this all by himself, that he needed someone to wash the dishes. Amen? That's not in the Bible, is it all? But he needed somebody. He needed a helpmate in that. And in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 22, it simply says this, Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. 
So we first had Adam, and then after Adam came Eve, and Eve was the helpmate of Adam. And they worked in the garden together, and it was beautiful. We do not know the time frame of these situations, but we know that happened in that situation. But then they were the only two in the garden. So they had to decide who they were going to marry. No, they didn't have to decide, did they? They were just two of them. Um, and so they got, and they have this marriage. And we see that in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Anytime you've ever been to a wedding, you've probably heard that verse. Of course, Adam and Eve did not have a regular mom or dad like me or you um, because they, were the they both were created. But we see here in Genesis takes opportunity to teach us the valuable lesson of a married couple coming together, leaving their parents, and becoming one in the faith of God together. We call that the leave and the cleave. And it is important for us to understand that's what marriage is all about. Marriage is about us as a spouse, a husband, leaving our, our family and starting our own family and clinging, cleaving to, holding on to, clinging to our new wife and becoming one with them in Christ Jesus. That's what we call the institution of marriage. That's what's under fire throughout the nation today, throughout the world today. But we see it at the very beginning, plain as day, exactly what it is. We leave our families. We leave what we left behind, the life of singleness, the idea that we have. And now we are clinging to our wives. And we have that beautiful union as we become one in God. So now they are leave, they left their, the, their cleaving together, they're married, and now we see in Genesis chapter 4 the production of that becoming one in God. We see it, now Adam knew Eve, his wife. And I know that the children are here, so I'm not going to go deep into this at all, but we see here that it's important for us to understand that what happens when we know someone, we should know them in the biblical sense that you see here in this word, in, in the area of marriage. When we have become one in Christ together, that comes, um, coming together makes us one. So that is important why we teach abstinence outside of marriage because we do not want to become one with someone that we're not married to, that we're not going to spend eternity with. So Adam knew his wife, um, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So we see here that the two children, the first Cain, he became a farmer, a, a keeper, of the, a tiller of the ground. And he was born, then after his birth, we see um, Abel, and he became a shepherd. So we have two very good um, professions there of a gardener, a one who takes care of the ground, and one who is shepherd, one who takes care of the sheep. And as time passed, what happened was they both brought a sacrifice to the Lord. So I want to read to you verses 3 and through 5, and you can see this process how they had a good start, but it's starting to go south 
because of this process of bringing a sacrifice to the Lord. Verse 3 says this, And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit to the ground of the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the question that comes up in our mind is this. Why did the Lord not respect and not accept Cain's offering? What was wrong with Cain's offering in that God did not accept it? And what was right with Abel's offering in that God did accept it? And it's hard. Not something that I, I'm going, going to be able to explain it to you in the next few minutes as best I can, but I'll try. But it's a very difficult understanding because me and you have God's holy word. And it is important for us to thank God for his holy word because if we want to know and we should want to know how we worship God and how we live a, live, a be a living sacrifice unto God, how we want to know how to do that, we're able to open up his holy word and learn how to worship God. And we can go to church and, and learn from the scripture being preached to us and taught to us how to worship God. We can go to Sunday school classes and Bible studies and we can sit around with friends and family and we can study and know how to worship God. At this time, the word of God had not yet come. And at this time, the law of God had not even come. This was 2,000 years before Moses comes off Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments. So there was, it's very difficult for me and you to understand what predicament Cain and Abel is in in this time. So how would they know what kind of sacrifice that they should bring um, to God that would be honoring to him? The very first answer of this is Adam. Adam would have taught them how and why they needed to bring a sacrifice to God. Why would it have been Adam's responsibility to teach? Because he was the father. God walked with Adam, taught Adam, and he was able to bring sacrifices to the Lord after he was removed out of the garden because of the sin that they had committed. And God taught him, and, and, and he should have and, probably, and most definitely did, while he would bring offerings to God, while he would worship God, he would have his sons along with them, and they would learn themselves how to bring an offering to God, what to bring to God, and when to bring it to God, because they were able to watch their father, Adam, do that very thing. Church, today, that's very important for me and you to understand how our children able to learn how to worship God today they got the Bible. They can learn how to do that. They go to church. They can learn how to do that. But the number one way that our children and our grandchildren learn how to worship God is by watching mom and dad and grandma and grandpa. How we worship God is how they learn how to worship God. We teach our children these things. We teach them what, act, what sacrifices to give. We teach them what actions to do. We teach them all these things by them watching us and living the way that we live and how they were were taught and we need to understand that adam would have taught them how to the why the how and the why of sacrifice not only that but the clothing that they were wearing at that time would have taught them about what a sacrifice meant because adam and eve tried their best best to put on a fig leaf to cover their their sins and to cover what they had done wrong and god said that the leaves were not sufficient 
and that what he did was this. He killed an animal and created for them skins that they would be clothing so it would be, they would be sufficiently clothed that would satisfy God Almighty. So the clothing that they wore understood that a, a salad, a, a leaf, was not sufficient as an offering, but it took the blood to be spilt, to be covered. So their own clothing would have known what kind of offering that they would be able to bring. And the third thing I want to show you is this. Anything does not go. One of the biggest mistakes we make in our world today is there. People tell me all the time, well, there ain't no right or wrong way to worship God. Well, yeah, there is. God's holy word tells us how to worship him. God's word, holy word tells us when all the stuff that we need to know how to bring a, 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 a holy, acceptable offering unto him. We cannot just bring to God whatever we want to bring to God. God does not want our leftover meatloaf mashed taters. He don't want what's left over. You don't want them. Why would God want them? So we are not able to bring that which was left over to God. I have people tell me all the time, well, you know, I, I want to give this. I got this left over. I want to give to it, give you this. And, you know, like, you know, that just breaks, that just, it just, it just makes people happy. I remember in, in Romania, um, living on the, on the mission um, field, someone sent us a box of used uh, tea bags. And they wanted me to take used tea bags into the village and give them to people. And I'm like, I ain't going to do that. I just ain't no way. I ain't going to give somebody junk. You know, it don't make sense to me. You know what? We can't just bring to God whatever we want to bring to God. He wants what? Our very best. He wants that sacrifice holy, acceptable unto him. Jimmy Carter, I didn't get a, um, know much about his presidency because I was too busy um, in the nursery at the time. But I um, had a busy job back then, you know what I'm saying? But they said that what he would do, would he would make plans and call ahead, and he would stay the night with just regular Americans in whatever state he was in. He didn't stay in a hotel. He'd just say, all right, just find me a, a good old American family, and I'm going to go stay the night with them. And when Jimmy Carter showed up at your house, I don't care who you are, you're not going to give him no leftovers. You're going to do what? Man, you're, not, you're going to layer it out. You know what I'm saying? You're going to make whatever best you can make. You're going to, you might even clean the house. You know what I'm saying? You might do a little, do a little dusting and everything. You'd be ready because the president's coming. You're not just going to just, going to just relax and just, ah, whatever, whatever. We're just going to have whatever. No, son. We're not going to um, pop one, one of those uh, uh, freezer jobs in there. What do they call them? A uh, uh, TV dinner in there. We're going to fix some food. You know what I'm saying? But we have to understand that we're not able to give God whatever we want. He wants the best. Listen to what the Bible says in Micah chapter 1, verse 6, 7, 8. And nine, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? If I am a master, where is my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts to you priests who despise my name. Yet you say, in what way have I despised your name? You offered defiled food on my altar, but say, in what way you have you defiled you? The the, by saying the table of the Lord is contemptible, and when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? 
<coughs> he's not talking about a blind um, person. But you'd have a goat that was blind. You couldn't do much with it. So you're getting ready to do a sacrifice. You know what? You don't want to give out the blind the goat that's 2020. You know what I mean? You, you, you don't want to give out the goat that knows where he's going. But you've got this one blind goat. Well, just go ahead and just give him to God. Is that acceptable? Is what it's saying. And when you offer the lame and the sick, is that not evil? <coughs> offer, it then to, offer it then to your governor. Would that please you? Give it to Jimmy Carter. Would he like that? Would he accept, it, accept you favorably? Says the Lord of hosts. But now entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us while this being done by your hands will accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts. We need to be careful what we give to the Lord. We do not want to give him our leftovers. We want to give him that which was what? Our best. And that's what he's asking for today. <clears throat> but not only that, Cain did not give the, that offering for the right reason. He did it because he had to, but he did not do it because he wanted to. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 and 12, For this is the message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brother's righteousness. Cain murdered Abel because he was jealous that what he did was right and what he what Abel did was right and what he did was wrong. Cain did not bring the offering because he loved God. Cain brought the offering because that's what he had to do. That's why he didn't bring anything good. That's why he just brought what he had because he was not interested in worshiping God. It wasn't done by faith. Cain lacked faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, it says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it being dead, he still speaks today. <coughs> Abel gave that offering because he believed in God and trusted in God and wanted to worship God. Cain did not have that faith. And what happened? Cain became bitterly angry. You know what happens in our, our world that we live in today? It's filled with people who are bitterly angry because they are not doing that which they have been created to do, and that's to worship God. Cain was angry in verses 5, 6, 7, and eight, the Bible says, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desires it for you, but you shall roll over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. 
Cain, God had anger, and God confronted Cain about his anger. Probably the worst thing you can do is when someone is flying off the handle and as mad as they've ever been in their life is that you walk up to them and, and confront them about their anger. They're not ready to be confronted by the anger. But you know what? Sometimes God confronts us when we're not even ready to be confronted. And God confronted Cain about his anger, and Cain got even more angry. The Lord says something here to this morning that we need to hear ourselves. He spoke to Cain in his anger, and he said this, Sin desires to control you. If there's something that me and you need to know this morning that comes from God is this. Sin desires to control you. It wants to control everything about you. It wants to take everything from you. That's what sin wants to do more than anything in this world. But God said something special. He said this. Sin desires to control you but you should rule over it. What he's saying is this, sin's trying to control you. It has a desire to control you. It has a desire for you to kill, steal, and destroy. And it has a desire to kill and steal and destroy everything from you. But, Lord's saying, it don't have to be that way. It does not have to be that way. You can rule over that. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 12, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. God's saying to us this morning, sin wants to control you, but you do not have to let sin control you. God comes in and intervenes in your life and allow him to reign supreme in your life, not sin. Not the lust of this flesh, not the lust of the eyes, not pride of life, but God Almighty through His Holy Spirit directing our path everywhere we go. But what Cain did was this. <clears throat> he gave in to sin. He gave in to that sin that desired to control him, and sin took over, and he kills his brother. We don't know what him and Cain talked about that moment. But it says they had a conversation. We don't know if Abel repeated that which God said. We don't know if Abel tried to help him get out of that situation. But whatever happened, Cain simply killed Abel that day. <coughs> and after the fact, after the murder, God confronts Cain. And this is what happens in verse 9. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? And Cain said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother, brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you're cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. God asked some questions. His first question is this. Where's Abel, your brother? And the only thing 
that Cain could find out to answer was, I don't know. He lied. He knew where Cain was. He, he knew where Abel was. He knew what happened. And then he asked the question of God. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? Am I the one in charge of my brother? Am, am I the one responsible for his well-being? Do I have to keep up with him like everything else? And I love that answer because it's yes. We are our brother's keeper. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 in verse 9, and I love this verse because it should be something we memorize. But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you. <laughs> I love that. Because you know what? Let's talk about brotherly love. I don't even have to write to you, tell you about it, because you already know all you need to know about brotherly love. And this is what you ought to know. For you yourselves are taught by God to do what? Love one another. If you're supposed to love one another, you know you're supposed to love your brother. And are you your brother's keeper? Yeah, you are. We need each other. We, we have to have each other to be able to get through this world. But then God asked him in the next question, What have you done? The kids are in here with us today. Let me share something with you. When your parent or guardian asks the question, what have you done? They already know. <laughs> they already know exactly what you've done. God already knew exactly what they have done, what he had done. But the consequences were bad. That ground that soaked up your brother's blood will no longer produce the way it did. Cain had the beautiful job of a farmer who planted a small seed in the ground and saw God bring forth a, a bounty of a harvest that no one could ever imagine. Me and you can't even imagine what it looks like. And we go to the nursing home once a, once a week and walking inside the nursing home, they let the, 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 the patients there, the residents there, plant some tomato trees outside the plant. They look like trees. They're huge. And the, you just see that every time you walk in, you get to see those big tomatoes, those big those plants. And you know what? That's from a broken world. But we have no idea what that looked like before this curse came on the ground. How beautiful and how amazing it must have been what God produced out of just one little seed at that time. And he said, you know what? That ground that, that soaked up your brother's blood will not produce the way it ever, ever again like that. But listen to what he said, and this broke my heart today. This week I've struggled with this more than I've struggled with anything. I had more homeless people in the church this week than I've ever had. Yesterday, in a, in a period of 15 or 30 minutes, I had eight homeless people come through the church needing food and I'd, I'd give them a, one of these and one of those and they're like can I have another one of those can I have another one of those you know how hard it is um, to say no <laughs> you only get one I do I don't either I, don't, I just give them I gave them whatever they wanted um, because you know <laughs> you ain't gonna get chubby over a little bit of fruit cups you know what I'm saying uh, maybe I don't know but it's hard 
But listen what happened. The Lord looked at Cain and said this, From now on, you will be a homeless wanderer. You will be a homeless wanderer. Cain had absolutely everything. All worked out. Everything he touched turned beautiful. But he allows, allows sin to control him. And now that same ground was that produced and produced will no longer produce like it did before and that he would be a homeless wanderer throughout the world. But you know, at that moment, Cain had an opportunity of a lifetime because he was presented with the consequences of sin. And he had the opportunity at that time to repent of his sins. To ask forgiveness and be regretful for what he had done. But what he does is the complete opposite. Verse 13 says this. And Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive, a vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. Cain is complaining that because of the punishment that God placed on him was so great that his life was going to be miserable from here forth. Who does Cain sound like? Us. And my punishment is too great for me to bear. Cain refused to repent of his sins. He was only concerned about himself. He was only cared about number one, that's all. It was hard. It was impossible for Cain to repent. I want to ask you a question today is this. Is it hard for you to repent today? Is it hard for you to repent of your sins because of sin that you committed. It is. Because you have to admit, what I have done was completely wrong. I was against God, and God alone did I sin. I made the mistake. I was wrong, and He was right. Forgive me of my sins. Everybody on earth was against Cain. Adam and Eve, the family, the ground actually told on him because God himself said, the ground cries out and told me what happened to you. The ground that he worked, the ground that he took care of was told on him what he did wrong. Everybody on earth, when the first person finds him, they will kill him. Was not everybody against him? It wasn't his fault. Cain created for himself a miserable life and he was scared to live it. But he made the mistake of not choosing to repent of his sins. But even in his mistake, God shows mercy. Verse 15 says this, And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain Vengeance shall be taken on him 
sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anybody finding him should kill him. God placed a mark on Cain that would protect Cain for the rest of his life. I don't know what that mark was, and you don't know what that mark was. It's not there for us to understand. We have no idea what it looks like or anything of that nature. But what I'll show you is this. In his mercy, in God's mercy, God doesn't give us exactly what we deserve. In his grace, God does not give us what we don't deserve. But he put that mark upon Cain so no man would be able to kill Cain. But eventually, Cain died. But after that came the judgment. Even in the New Testament, in Jude chapter 11, God gives us a warning about Cain. Bible says this, Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. He allows us to see as a warning, do not follow in the steps of Cain. Does that say don't kill your brother? Amen. Yeah, you shouldn't be killing your brother, right? Does it, what does it mean? It means very simply this, is that all that he had done wrong, was able to be forgiven of him but he chose not to repent of his sins and the bible teaches us today is this don't follow cain don't think you can do it the way you want to do it how you want to do it and when you want to do it god has given us his way and today we have the possibility of knowing what we should do Cain chose not to repent. But there was another in the Old Testament, David, who did much more than Cain ever thought about doing on the murder part and the sinful part. And the, David ran from the Lord for a long time. And he went through a lot of perishing, a lot of problems, and a lot of trouble. But listen to what he said in Psalms 51 when he turned back to God. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you alone have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire the tr truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me, to know, to make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Today we have the, the, the possibility of understanding, yes, we have sinned and came short of the glory of God, but God, in his mercy, but God, in his grace, gave us an opportunity. We have something in, Cain, in common with Cain and, and David. 
Um, that's what? We all messed up. But God has shown us mercy. And how did he show us mercy? By sending us his best. Did God send us his leftovers? No. God sent us his only begotten son. That whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. His only begotten son died on the cross of Calvary to pay the debt that me and you owed. All we do today, all we can do today, is believe in our, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and repent of our sins. That's the choice that we have, and I pray that we do that. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, in verse 22, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a, a guarantee. When, when the Lord put that mark on, um, on Cain, everybody was able to know that if they would touch Cain, they, the punishment, the vengeance would be seven times more than it would be anything else come to them. And no one, we understand, touched Cain because of the mark that he had upon him that day. But listen, I want you to see this today. The Lord puts a mark on us. At the moment you repent of your sins and believe the gospel, you get marked. I don't know if it's a check mark or X mark, but mark, mark the spot. But it's the seal of the Holy Spirit that comes upon your life. I never understood what a, a seal was. I was 22 years old during the Yugoslavian-Serbia um, problem we had there in the, in the war. And um, I got chosen to uh, be a part of the ones who took aid into the, to the, to the ones who were coming out of Serbia into the southwestern part of Romania. And we took in blankets and different stuff. I had to do that and all the stuff. We would get helps in there. And what would happen was um, we would get these 40-foot containers that came from America. And, um, and everybody wanted, it was very hard because everybody wanted to steal whatever that was inside of those containers. But what the Romanian government did was that when, a, when a container came in, it did not have a padlock on it. It was against the law to put a padlock on it or a chain. But what the Romanian government did was they put a little flimsy piece of wire almost like a, a wire that would be in our house, electric wire in our house that was just with, without the rubber around it. And inside that was a rubber piece of Play-Doh looking thing. And it had the seal of the Romanian government on that that held that piece, those two pieces of metal, that one piece of metal together. And we were in the situation where we had to get into the container to get paperwork and, um, and everybody's like, we can't get into the container, it's sealed. And I'm thinking, it's sealed with like duct tape or foam or, or whatever, you know what I'm saying? So here I am, a 21-year-old kid, and I walk up to the thing, and I'm like, I can open this door, it's not, it's not sealed. It, it just has this piece of metal on it and this piece of Play-Doh, you know, that, there ain't nothing to that. And the guy looks at me and he said, if you break that seal, you'll spend the rest of your life in prison. I'm like, dude, y'all ought to write this stuff down. Give it to people, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, why? You know, it, it's just a piece of Play-Doh. It's nothing big. 
He said, if you break that seal, you have broken the, the seal of the Romanian um, country, and they will take you out. And I'm like, really? That's amazing. And I can remember standing there in the port of Costanza thinking, now I understand about the seal that my God has put upon me. There ain't nobody, nobody going to break that seal. And today we have that mark upon us, not because we're good people, but because we have believed upon Jesus Christ and our sins have been forgiven. Praise the Lord that we don't have to follow in the footsteps of Cain, but we can follow Jesus today. Lord God, we ask you today.